sing a part of that again. And man, I was praying down front, and um, I, I just want to share with our church something that uh, that that we've been talking about, our elders have been talking about, um, our staffs been talking about, and something that I just I just feel really impressed just to tell our church. Um, in two weeks, we move into our new building, and I want you to. And, and as exciting as that is. Um, we have been talking for the past several weeks. We really believe this is a time of intense spiritual warfare in our church. That the enemy would, would want to distract us, come against you, our, our church, come against families. Um, that the enemy would want us to get into that building and to feel like we've arrived and just shift into neutral. That the enemy would want us to get in there and just feel like we're home. And so I just really believe, we really believe this is an intense time of spiritual warfare for our church. And, and so I just want us to have a moment where we're just continuing to pray. And if you want to get together, uh, if you want to come up front, I saw people were just now coming up front, and I didn't want to end this. We're just going to extend this for just a moment. The band's going to sing a little bit more of this song. And, and I just want us to pray. I want you to pray, whatever God is laying on your heart. But I really want us to pray right now that, that the enemy is defeated and we just stand on the authority and the victory of Jesus Christ. And that in Him we are more than conquerors. And that Jesus, this is Jesus' church. This is not Mark, if this is Mark Holmes' church, we need to shut it down. It need, we need to go home. This is, because I got nothing. The only person who loves this church so much he died for it is Jesus Christ. He spilled his blood for it. And so, so, so I want us to come together and just, just to declare and just to seek God that we would have the victory that's already ours. It's purchased, but that we would experience the victory Jesus bought for us in, in, in his blood. And so let's just continue to sing that this morning, and let's just continue to pray and seek him today. Let's pray. going to come and she's going to pray for us uh, here this morning. But, but church, let's give God praise for today. Let's give God praise. Cena, you can go to Morgan's mic.
just feel the spirit of the Lord here this morning. I feel like I'm in the way. Um, let's just pray for just a second. Lord, we just thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for your, your sweet presence that we feel in this place, Lord God. We sometimes pray peace, God, but to feel what that feels like and to feel you, Lord. It's just awesome this morning. We just ask you, Lord, to just continue to flood this building with your presence, God. And even as Mark comes, Lord, that you would just come over his word, Lord. And as his, his words come out, Lord, they are not his words, God, but they are yours and that they are anointed. And that people leave here changed this morning, God. We just thank you for your presence, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, just wanted to welcome you all this, this morning. Um, my name's Asina. My husband, Wesley, and I are the leaders here with the student ministries. Um, we have class tonight at 5.30 and 6.30. 5.30 is for middle school. 6.30 is for the teens. Tom Sayers is going to be giving his testimony tonight, so please don't miss that. Also, if you are a young adult, at 6.30 you are also welcome, so don't think that that's strictly for high school kids. It's for you as well. And um, these connection cards are at your seat. Don't forget to fill those out this morning. And if you're new here at Summit, there is a table out front, the welcome table, that you can go to and get a free gift. Thank you. That's awesome, man. Uh, that's what church ought to be like right there, amen? Right? That's what church is, man. That's what church is about. Hey, I want you to open your Bibles, and uh, let's spend some time in the Word of God today. Open your Bibles to James 3. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 is where we're going to be. We're just going to dive right in uh, this morning. Uh, we're going through the book of James, and, uh, and so we're going to read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 today, and uh, if you want to read this, if you don't have a Bible on your phone or anything, words are on the screen behind me, you can follow along right there, okay? Awesome, here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. They're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray this morning before we get started. Father, I pray that you would uh, just take this word and bless it and use it to pierce our heart. God, your word is alive. It's living and active. And God, I pray you'd speak to us this morning, God. We need your voice to be the loudest voice in our lives today. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak. And God, everything you say, God, we want to receive it with joyful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, when, uh, the, when I was uh, just getting out of uh, seminary, the first church that I worked in, uh, I was a youth pastor in the church for a little over six years, and it was uh, just outside of Louisville. I went to seminary, uh, Bible college, and some other things in Louisville. My wife went to L. We lived in Louisville for several years and then moved just outside of Louisville to, uh, to a really small town called Pleasureville. You've probably never heard of that, but it's right next to Shelbyville, and so Shelbyville, Pleasureville, that area, we lived there working in a church as, as a youth pastor, and every Saturday, there were a group of guys that got together and ran, uh, just a, a group of guys, just a running club there, and, and I ran, and so I went and, and, uh, and joined them, and, and they would run all kinds of different dis distances. The guy that was over the running club there, he ran what are known as ultra marathons. Now, now, 
So an ultra marathon, if you don't know what that is, an ultra marathon is anything above and beyond a normal marathon. So a normal marathon is 26.2 miles long. Anything longer than that is an ultra marathon. I know several people, I know people even uh, that live around here, they do, they do 50 mile races and things like that, but this guy specialized in running races 80 to 100 miles long. Somebody said no. Instantly somebody says no. <laughs> no, I rebuke that, right? Eh, that's not me. That's not me. But, but his whole life was dominated by running. I mean, everything he did was dominated by running. I mean, he was, I mean that was his full-time job. He had running sponsorships. He actually owned a running uh, shoe store. and just all, Everything he did was running. What he, eat, what he ate for his meals, that was determined by how far he was going to run that week. He would take hours and hours and hours to run because, I mean, if you, you know, you're going to take about 25, 30 minutes, maybe a day or a couple of days a week to run. If you're training for 80 to 100 mile races, this guy is taking hours and hours every day to train. Running dominated his whole life. His, his commitment to running determined everything that he did. Right? See, he, he loved running. He was committed to it above everything and anything else. See, I like to run, and I also like Oreos, right? And so, so, so in, in fact, in my mind, the, in, in, in my mind, it kind of balances each other out. My commitment to running makes sure that if I want to, I can just eat all the Oreos in the house. And it doesn't actually work that way. But in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Because I ran this amount, I could probably eat the whole thing. Now, you should not do that, okay? Just in case you're taking tips, don't do that. But here's the way that it works for me. Running is here, Oreos are here, and the two never meet, right? Here's the problem. Doing that with running is one thing, but doing that with God is completely different. A lot of us, when we, when we take our faith, when we take the things of God, we like to try to fit God into different compartments so that here's my relationship with God and here's everything else in my life. Or it's Sunday, it's God's day, and it's one day out of the week, but here, here's the rest of the days, here's everything else that I do, and God doesn't really impact everything else in my life. Well, we're in a series called Own It, and what we're talking about is owning our faith, taking responsibility for our spiritual growth. Having real, authentic faith is the message of the book of James, and we've talked about owning our trials. We've talked about owning temptation. Last week, we talked about owning mercy and giving mercy to people. And if we are really gonna be people who follow Jesus, we talk about being disciples a lot here at Summit, being followers of Jesus. If we're gonna follow Jesus with our head, our heart, and our hands fully committed to him, well, then what that means is that you and I can't have our faith in this separate compartment. Instead, we need to let Jesus have full access to every place in our lives, so you might read something like what we just read out of the book of James where James is talking about the way that we talk, the words that we say, and maybe you're listening to James say this and you're thinking, man, really? I mean, God cares about the way that I talk to my friends. God cares about the way that I talk to and about people online. You mean God cares about the words that I say, that internal dialogue that goes on inside of me? You mean God cares about the words that I say? Really? Maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, this is crazy because, I mean, the way that we talk, I mean, that just seems so small. It just seems so insignificant. And here's actually the very first thing that you need to see if we're going to track with where God wants to take us this morning. It's, this, it's just simply this, that everything matters to God. Everything in our lives matters to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but every single part of our lives, the way that we think, our relationships, our finances, what we do with our free time, our goals for the future. Listen, there is no place in our lives where Jesus does not look and say, that's mine. I mean, when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus becomes your savior and your what? Does anybody know? Starts with an L, ends with ord. Lord, that's right, man, you guys are great this morning. Jesus becomes your savior and your Lord. When you buy a house, you don't get the keys to the house and say, all right, everything on the first floor is yours, but the previous owner gets the second floor. No, you get the whole 
house. Jesus being Lord doesn't mean, Jesus, you get this, this, this on these days of the week. No, we give Jesus the keys to the house and say, Jesus, it is all yours. Every single bit of it. See, let me give you a really good verse that you ought to memorize that gives you a great picture of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus that's not just an hour on Sunday. It's Romans chapter 12, verse one. It says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a, everybody say these next two words with me, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, if we're, if we're followers of Jesus, if we have a relationship with him, then you and I, we ought to see ourselves as living sacrifices. You say, what in the world is a living sacrifice? Well, when you read the Old Testament, you'll read about something called the sacrificial system. And the sacrificial system is a series of sacrifices that God ordained for his people Israel so that they could maintain a relationship with him. And one of the sacrifices in the Old Testament is called the burnt offering. And what they would do is they would take the sacrifice and they would put it on the altar and literally they would, they would set the whole thing on fire. They would burn the entire thing. The entire offering would be consumed with fire and it was to symbolize that God wanted Israel to be completely consumed with him. It, it was a symbolic picture that says from Israel to God, they were saying to God when they set that whole offering on fire, God, every bit of who we are, it is all yours. Nothing's untouched. We're not holding anything back. Just like this whole offering is going up as a fire to you. It's a burnt offering. Jesus, all of our lives are yours. That's what that offering said. And what, what it means for you and I is it means that every single day as followers of Jesus, you and I, we need to go to God and say, God, it's all yours. God, everything in my life, it's all yours. My relationships are yours. My finances are yours. My future, it's yours. God, my goals, yours. My kids, my spouse, all of it. God, it is all yours. I am a living Sacrifice, it's all yours, including the way that we talk. Because we're always talking, aren't we? We're always talking. I was reading a couple of weeks ago when I was putting this together. I read that women speak on average 20,000 words a day. Somebody amen, I wouldn't amen that, bro. I wouldn't, I don't know. Ryan McGrainer, was that you? Amen in that. Men speak an average of 7,000 words a day. If that's true, women speak almost three times as much as men every day. No amens. Do not, don't amen that. Don't amen that. I'm just giving you information from the internets. All right? We're always talking, aren't we? And not only are we always talking, we're always texting and tweeting and posting on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and we're always sending emails. We are always talking. And if James would want to give us one idea about the way that we talk, the things that we say, it's just simply this, that our words are powerful. Our words are so powerful, they can bring life or death. I mean, everybody in here, we've all heard that saying, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never what? No, words will never hurt me, and we all know that's wrong. Because everybody in here could grab a microphone and tell the story about something that somebody said to you and still hurts. Might have been years ago. You can even remember where you were and what you were wearing that day. But man, it hurt you so bad. Words that somebody said and it just kind of seared your soul. And hopefully on the other end, we could all take a microphone and tell a story about somebody that said something that was so encouraging, so life-giving, we will never get over, we'll never forget what they said because of the positive impact that it has on our lives. See, our words can bring life. Our words can bring death. Words matter. And so James just jumps right in and he just goes after people who talk the most in churches, preachers. Verse one, James chapter three. Not many of you should become a teacher, my brothers. He's talking about preachers, specifically people in the church who preach and teach the Bible. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach me, this, is, uh, this stands out really for me, for we know that we who teach the Bible, we who preach, he's talking to pastors and church leaders and people who speak and teach the Bible, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
Here's what that means for a guy like me. It means that I'm gonna stand before God and give an account to what I did with his word and what I said to people about God. That's a big deal. So let me just, let me just say something from this verse because I think this verse is so important. Um, let me just tell you, um, I hope you know, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't, but I just wanna say this. I hope you know every single Sunday when I get up to talk, I'm not making this up on the fly. I put a lot of work in to do what I'm doing this very moment on the stage. There's a lot of work, there's a lot of study, there's a lot of preparation that goes into this every Sunday. And here's why. Because I am talking about God. And I'm gonna stand in front of God about the things I said about God. I mean, think about this. When you find out somebody's saying stuff about you and it's not true, do you like it? How do you think God feels when we get stuff about him wrong? Right? So what that means is, if you teach the Bible, if you preach the Bible, and I'm not the only one in here that does that, if you teach, you preach the Bible in any way, shape, or form, we need to make sure that what we say about God is right. Now, you're thinking, well, I don't preach and I don't teach the Bible, so how does that apply to me? Here's exactly how that applies to you. Man, we have more access to preachers, teachers, and Bible, te- and Bible teachers today than we've probably ever had in the history of Christianity. I mean, we give you access to something called Right Now Media as a church. I can open up my phone, and we've got the Netflix of Bible studies. I've given, we've given you access to over 10,000 Bible studies as a church. You can get on YouTube. You can go right now on Facebook, and you can watch a live stream of probably any church in the world that's meeting in their particular time zone and place in the world. You have access to every preacher, every Bible teacher probably in the world if you wanted to find it. Now what that means is this. Just because somebody has a large following doesn't mean you should believe what they say. Now, on the other side of that argument, I would also like to point out that just because someone has a large following doesn't mean you should not believe what they say. Amen? Just because somebody has a large church or a lot of people follow them, that doesn't mean that they're not preaching the gospel, that they're watering down the message. That just simply, it probably means that God just is just using to use them at that particular season in that particular way. But the Bible says, test the spirits and see if they are of God. So just because a guy has following online and people like and share videos, they have churches and they have sermons, doesn't mean that you should believe what they say. You should not believe what I say just because I say it. You should know the Bible for yourself. That's why, Mark, why are there so many Bible translations? So that you can read the Bible in a way that you can understand and know the Word of God. It's exact, there's tons of reasons for that, answers for that, but that's at least one. Why do we give you all kinds of tools? Why do we put devotions in the summer app? Why do we try to go over the top to give you all kinds of resources to get into the Word of God on a daily basis? Because we want you to be, here's a word, discerning when it comes to what the Word of God teaches. We want you to know the Word. But man, when you talk a lot, it's easy to get stuff wrong. When you, when you talk, because, because at the end of the day, I'm human, preachers, teachers are human. When you talk a lot, it's easy to get things wrong. And so James just brings that out, verse two, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, watch this, watch this. If you can perfectly control your tongue and never say anything bad about another person, never say anything wrong about another person, never say anything wrong about God or your circumstances, if you can perfectly control your tongue, verse two, you are a perfect person. All right, so we all just got swept under the rug. That's not me. That's not me. Somebody like, bro, he ain't talking to me then, right? So that's exactly right because this is a big deal. There's a reason that James says our tongue is like a fire. No one can tame it. No one can tame it. Our, our, chapter three, verse five, our tongue is like a fire. Or Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. So our words are powerful. They can bring life or death, even though they're so small, even though it just seems like it's something so insignificant, something so small, it can have a massive effect. James even uses the illustration of a ship, that a massive ship is controlled by something so small as a rudder. I wanted to know what the biggest ship was in the world. 
And I looked it up. It's called the MSC Oscar. I think I got a picture of it right there. I don't know if you can see it with the lights, but right there's a picture of it. It's the MSC Oscar. How big is that? That ship is so big. Uh, so, do you want know I say big? That ship's so big, y'all. That ship is so big. As of two years ago, they probably do now, but as at least two years ago, there was no port large enough for that ship in the United States of America. That ship can hold 39,000 cars. Okay? And that ship is controlled by, look at the next picture. You can't see it because of the lights, but there's the propeller, and right behind it is the rudder of the ship. Something so big is controlled by something so small. And James wants us to use that point. James wants to drive that picture home. That something so small, the words that we say, our tongue, our words, our lips, something so small and what seems insignificant can destroy or it can bring life. See, God's words brought all creation into existence. Our words don't have that power. We can't just say unicorn and poof, there it is, right? Our, our words don't have the same power that God's words have, but man, our words matter. They can bring life and death. I think James just paints this perfectly when he says this in 9 and 10. Look in your Bible. It says this, with it, with our tongues, with our mouths, with our mouths, our lips, our words, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his likeness. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So with our lips, with our words, we bless God, we praise God, we declare God's greatness, and then with the same lips, with the same tongue, with the same mouth, we rail against people that God made. And James says, this should not be. So we praise God and we come in church and we sing songs and we declare how great God is and then we leave or maybe even at church we get in corners and we talk about people or we get online and we talk about people who are made in the image of God. See, our words can bring a fire. What kind of words can bring a fire? What kind of words, just so we're clear, just so we all know what we're all talking about, what kind of words, what are some examples of words that can ruin or destroy and bring death? I'll give you some examples. Here's one, gossip. Gossip. Now, what is gossip? Here's what gossip is, just so we're clear. Here's what gossip is. Gossip is when you say something about someone, whether it's true or false, and you have no intention of saying anything to that person about it, but you'll say everything about it to everyone else. Hello? Do you hear what I said now? Gossip is when you say something true or false. Well, I ain't saying nothing that ain't true. Yeah, but are you saying it to them in love? Gossip is when you say something that's true or false. Maybe it is true. Maybe it's false. But you're saying it to everybody else instead of confronting or having a conversation with this one person. See, the world and the culture that we live in, we don't think that gossip or there's anything wrong. And, and here's what I know right now. Here's what I know right now. Nobody in here gossips. We're talking about people who aren't here today. Amen. Some of you are like, who's he talking about? He ain't talking about me, right? I know, I know, Sugarfoot. I, I ain't talking about you. They're not here today. They're probably watching online. And um, in, our, in our culture, we don't think anything about gossip. Gossip is like a nat national pastime. But in the Bible, gossip is a characteristic of someone that doesn't even know Jesus. Did you know that? You can destroy someone's re reputation. You can destroy someone's life. By simply walking up to someone. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Or here's how we do it in church. Mm, I got a prayer request. Mm. Right? Another one is slander. Slander and gossip are so similar, it's really hard to separate them. Another, a good way to think about slander is character assassination. It's when I'm specifically trying to ruin someone's character or integrity by accusing them or saying things about them that are not true, and maybe I know they're not true, and I simply don't care. It just feels juicy. It vindicates me in some way. It deals with some inadequacy in my life, and I'm going to ruin their character. I'm talking about topics, okay? Topics, all right, if you want an example of it. Here's or another example, words that just start fire. Just being mean. Hello? Just being mean to people. Rude and insulting and making fun of people all the time. Just being mean to people, cutting people down. Well, I just need to tell you how I think. Well, that's great, sugar. Right? 
Ephesians chapter 5 says that we should not use our words in an impure way. So here's the question. Fellas, how do you talk about women, the opposite sex? How do you talk about the opposite sex when they're not around? The words that we say, see, the words that we say can bring life or death. And it's not just the words that we say to other people. The words that we say to ourselves can have a negative impact on ourselves. Amen? See, because we're all caught up in this internal dialogue. The words that we say to ourselves, constantly complaining, constant negativity, constant questioning about God and his activity in our lives, our words can chip away at our faith and destroy our own faith. And so James says, listen, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be the way it is. The people of God ought to be different in the way that we talk. And so the question is, why do we do it? Why why do we do this? Why do we praise God with our lips and then tear each other or other people down with the same lips? And James actually answers that question in 11 and 12, and what he says is you need to consider the source. The, The reason that we do that, the reason that we can praise God with our lips and have no problem railing against other people with the same lips is you need to consider The source, the source of what? The source of our words. Where do our words come from? And so he says in verses 11 and 12, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce, yield rather, fresh water. And the idea there, does a a spring pour forth Pour forth from the same opening, fresh and salt water. No, fresh and salt water are not going to come from the same spring. It's going to come from, it, it, what, what comes out depends on the source. Apple trees are going to grow what? Apples, right? Apple trees are going to grow apples. You need to consider the source. And the apples on the apple tree prove that, you know what, this is indeed an apple tree. Man, you've got to consider the source, where our words come from. And you know where our words come from? Our heart, our heart. Jesus says this so plain in Luke chapter six, verse 45. Listen to what Jesus says. The good person, watch this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his what? His mouth speaks. Every word you say, to other people, every word you say to yourselves, every word we say comes from our heart. See, our words reveal our hearts. Did you know that? So, so, and because that's true, you can say this. If you want to know where I'm at with God, listen to how I talk about other people. I'll say that again. If you want to know where I'm at with God, listen to how I talk about other people. Here, let's take a quick test. Take stock of every word you said past seven days. Somebody said, oh, no. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> That's good. I don't know who did that, but that, I should pay you when this is over. That's perfect. Take stock of every word you said past seven days. Every word you said to you, every word you said to other people, every word you put online, Every word you almost emailed and then you deleted it because you didn't have the guts to sit, 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 uh, push sin, right? Every word you texted, take stock of every word you've said past seven days. What does that say about your heart? What does that reveal about your heart? What, what's the way that you've talked about other people these past seven days reveal about your heart? What's the words that you said to yourself over the past seven days reveal about what you really believe God can do in and through your life? What are the words you've said to yourself, just yourself, the past seven days show that you really believe about how faithful God's gonna be tomorrow? What, what are the words that you've said to yourself show that you really believe about how Jesus has worked in your life? What are the words you've said about people? They will never know what you've said. Parenthesis, God always knows what you've said. Doesn't matter if they know it, God knows it. What are the words you've said about other people the past seven days show about your heart?
And see, what needs to happen is we need to look at our own hearts and say, God, God, if I see something in my heart, maybe you look at your heart and you see that over the past seven days, your, wor- your words reveal your heart is filled with fear. Maybe the words that you've said over the past seven days show that your heart is filled with anxiety. Your heart is filled with bitterness, maybe. Maybe it shows that your heart is filled with ingratitude and there's no thankfulness there. I don't know what it shows about you and me when we look at our words for the past seven days, but maybe because when I said, when I asked myself this question, man, that makes me look at a mirror in my life and say, God, I need you to change me. God, I need your help because it's too easy for me to complain. God, it's too easy for me to be bitter. God, it's too easy for me to to talk down to somebody. God, it's too easy for me to use my words in a way that tears down instead of builds up. And that's not some motivational leadership thing. It's a heart that needs Jesus to move and rescue. What does the words that you say, how have you talked the past seven days, what does it reveal about your heart? And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, the words that I've said over the past seven days, Mark, there's something inside of me. I need God to move in my heart. I need God to rescue me. I need God to deliver me from this fear that just comes out when I talk. Mark, I need God to set me free from this anxiety that just comes out when I talk. Mark, I can go to church and I can sing about how good God is and how faithful he's been in my life, but when I talk about my life, I always talk about my life like it's always in shambles, like it never works out. Mark, the way that I talk about my life, you wouldn't even know that God is real. And Jesus, I need you to come and just like a flood, rescue me and change my heart. And listen, if that's you, the good news is James chapter four, verse eight, it says this, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you, amen? If you draw near to God, if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I need God in my life, man, I need God to rescue me. If James is right and my words reveal my heart, then Jesus, I need you. And if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Man, if you need grace from God, do you know what you get from God? You get grace If you need mercy from God, do you know what you get from God? You need mercy. If you need a second chance from God, do you know what you get? You get a second chance. If you need forgiveness, God gives forgiveness. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And man, this world is filled with so much negativity and so much darkness and so much division. When the world hears the people of God talk, they ought to hear words of hope. They ought to hear words of faith. They ought to hear words of peace. Hopefully they're hearing the gospel. And so maybe the cry of your heart is, Jesus, I need you to come into my life and I need you to rescue me and set me free. You know what, here's one of the things I've heard people say to me over the past several days. Mark, when we get in that new building, I believe that we're gonna go to another level. Mark, when we get in that new building, I believe that things are gonna change. I believe that we're gonna experience things in that new building we've never experienced before. Mark, when we get in that new building, man, God's gonna do something we've never experienced as a church. And listen, I amen that. I agree with that. I pray to God that that's true. And the good news is I don't have to wait two weeks to get in there. Hello? Man, God is calling our church to another level. Did you know that? God is calling you to another level, Summit. God is calling us to rise up and not be content with just taking in Sunday services. God is calling us to another level. God is calling us to a deeper faith. God is calling us to a wider impact. And it starts with you and I being living sacrifices that say, Jesus, take it all. Jesus, take it all. Take the way that I think. Take the way that I'm using my resources. Take the way that I'm planning my future. Jesus, even even get down so deep into my life. Take the words that I say and take me to another level. Jesus, it is all yours. And man, I'm telling you, listen to me, listen to me. When you draw near to God that way, God draws near to you. And you don't have to wait two weeks. You can do it right now. You can become, you can be that living sacrifice that says, Jesus, I want, I want you to take it all. Jesus, I surrender all to you right now. 
as a living sacrifice. The way that I think, the words that I say. Jesus, take it all. Would you pray with me this morning? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, I pray that's our prayer because I know that's your desire. I know your desire is that we would be living sacrifices. That we would say, Jesus, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day, every moment, Jesus, it is all yours. And the reason it's all yours is because you gave your all for me. You died for me. You bled for me. You came back to life for me. You've made me new. Jesus, as an act of worship, I want to be a living sacrifice, sold out, separated, following you. God, do that. Jesus, we surrender to you as a church. And Jesus, we pray that you take us to another level, a place we've never experienced greater impact, deeper love for you, deeper unity than we have ever known as a church. God, everything you have for our church, we say yes to it. We want it all. And it starts with being men and women who are living sacrifices. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if that is your prayer today, if your prayer is Jesus, I surrender all. Jesus, take every bit of my life. It is all yours. Raise your hand right now just to declare that. Right now, just raise it up. Right now, don't even wait. Right now, hands are going up all over this room. Right now, Jesus, I declare, Jesus, it's all yours. I'm surrendering right now. Jesus, it is all yours. Amen. Father, I just pray you take every hand, every life in here that just raised their hand, those that didn't. And God, I pray that we would follow you and just surrender all, whatever that looks like. Jesus, we would say yes to it. And as we just continue in this spirit of prayer, you might be here today and God has specifically spoken to you about an area that you need to surrender. And he said, hey, hey, I want you to be a living sacrifice right here. Maybe it is the words that you say. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not even about the words that you say. Maybe it's a, a relationship. Maybe it's, the, the, maybe it's a thought pattern that's, that's, that's there's just eating away at your faith. Maybe God has spoken to you today about an area of your life that you need to surrender to him. If that's you today, raise your hand right now. Say, Mark, God is talking to me about an, a specific thing. I need to surrender to him. Pray for me. Raise your hand right now. That's you. There's some hands right there. There's another hand, more hands, several on the side right over there. God bless you. Right here in the middle, hands are going up. Raise your hands really high, really high so I can see. There's an area in my life I need to surrender Right there, there's more hands. God, thank you for those hands that are going up right now. I just pray that we would, whatever that is, that we'd open up our hands and say, Jesus, it's yours. And, and not just here. We wouldn't do it just here, God. But every single day, God, that's gonna be a fight. We gotta do it every moment of every day. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I surrender to you. And maybe, maybe you're here today and God has specifically spoken to you just about the words that you say. Maybe words you say to other people or maybe words you say to yourself and God is saying, hey, I wanna change that. Hey, I, I, wanna, I wanna so work in your heart that your words reflect faith, that your words reflect hope, that your words reflect that you are a son or daughter of God. Maybe that's you today and God's saying, hey, I, hey I, your words are showing something and I wanna change you in that area. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Mark, pray for me. God's spoken to me today about the way that I talk to myself or other people. Raise your hand right now. There's hands right now, all over the room, all over the room. Amen. Father, thank you for that. God, I pray that you would change our hearts in such a way that even the way that we talk would be different. And maybe you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. That's how being a living sacrifice starts. Not, not just coming to church or not even believing that God is real, as great as that is, but being a living sacrifice, being a follower of Jesus starts with saying, Jesus, I want you to forgive me for my sin. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And maybe that's the decision you need to make today. Maybe today you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life and save you for the very first time. If that's you today and you'd say, Mark, I wanna be saved today. Mark, I want Jesus to be my savior and my Lord and I wanna surrender my life to him right now today. If that's you and that's the decision that you know God wants you to make, will you just raise your hand right now? Mark, I need to be saved and I wanna be saved today right now. Just raise your hand high. Do it right now. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Jesus, that you want to get your hands so deep into our lives that it changes even the way that we talk. And God, I pray that we would just be a church of living sacrifices. God, I pray that more and more we would surrender to you. We would say yes 
to you. And God, you would take us to another level, a place we have never been before. And God, do that by your Holy Spirit and for your glory, for the beauty of your name, that the gospel would spread in Hazard and Perry County and Eastern Kentucky and the world would be different because God, you are at work in our lives as living sacrifices, fully surrendered to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Church, let's give God praise for today, for his goodness, for his mercy. Man, I tell you what, right now our ushers are gonna come and get in place, and, and we always take this moment to give you a chance to fill out your connection card. So go ahead and grab those, those are in your chair, and, um, and, and anything that God did in your life today, we would love to know about it. Uh, but I'll tell you this, you know, speaking of being a living sacrifice, we say this all the time around here. Guys, it, 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 as great as an hour on Sunday is, Jesus wants a relationship with you that gets into every part of our day and every area of our lives. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, how can I really go to that next level? Mark, what are some things I can do to go to the next level in my faith? Well, maybe you're here, and if you're not serving, I would say there's a way to get plugged in and connected to this church and to say, you know what, I wanna serve. I wanna use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given me and I wanna make a difference in the lives of other people. If that's you today and you're not serving, flip that card over and check that box. Or maybe you're here and you want more info about Summit. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna have what we call Summit 101 that happens the second uh, Sunday of every month. Just a time for us to meet you and answer any questions you have. But make that commitment to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna get committed to this church. Tell you what, if you want more info about that, I would love to talk to you about it at the welcome table. I'm at the welcome table at the end of every service. I'll be there for a few minutes. I'd love to say hi to you today if I've never met you and just give you some info about how you can go to the next level in your faith and really get connected and plugged in here at Summit. Hey, I wanna show you some pictures before we receive our offering. They put the appliances in the kitchen in our building. I wanna show you those pictures. So there's the picture of a refrigerator and and so, look at that glorious refrigerator. And there's the next picture is a, a stove and a dishwasher. It's awesome. And so, uh, so, it's awesome. Just imagine yourself getting something out of that refrigerator and using something and then putting it in the dishwasher and then uh, making something on that stove. But do not burn the building down if you do that. Praise the Lord. Um, so, but man, our building, man, more progress. And here's the deal. Wednesday night, we had tons of people show up to help uh, move things from here to the forum. We're gonna do that again this Wednesday night at six. And so if you wanna help uh, move things from here to the building and get uh, some things ready at six o'clock, we're gonna do that again. You can meet at the building. Uh, I wanna pray for our offering and uh, Dana's gonna come out. She's gonna share some things with you before we dismiss this morning. Father, I thank you for, for the generosity of this church. And when we talk, and we talk about being living sacrifices, that's a part of it. Being a living sacrifice says, Jesus, even my finances, even my resources are yours. They're not mine. And so, God, I pray, God, maybe, maybe somebody's here and they've never given before, but the Spirit is leading them to do it. I pray they would do it today. God, I pray for, for people who are here today and maybe they're gonna give uh, the, maybe, maybe just a really generous gift or maybe they're, gonna try, they're trying to grow consistently in giving. Father, bless every person that gives, whether it's here, whether it's online. But Jesus, we wanna be living sacrifices and this is a way to do it to give back a portion of what you have given to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Guys, go ahead, Dana. Okay, so the egg hunt is the 23rd. We still need a ton of eggs for that. So um, you have got next Sunday that you can still bring those in to us. So they need to be pre-filled with some kind of candy or something in them. So make sure that you bring those because we probably still need about 6,000 eggs. So... That's a whole bunch of eggs. And then don't forget to invite people and remind them that uh, the 25th is our first Sunday at the new building. So um, get the word out and tell everybody. So that means that next Sunday is our last Sunday here. And um, I am not going to lie and say that I'm not super excited about that. But I am <laughs> I am thankful for, um, for everything that, that we have had that's happened here. Um, my life changed in this room. Uh, and so that means a lot to me. But um, so, <laughs> stop it. So um, 
Invite, invite, invite. And you don't have to wait till next Sunday to invite people. You can invite them to come here next Sunday and um, they can be with us for our last Sunday here because that is a big deal. But you guys are dismissed.